0: And because you guys can code, it's brilliant, you can iterate on your product on your own, so you don't necessarily need a tech co-founder, you are the CTO. Welcome to Lawagon Live. This week we have Sharon Oli Mohammed, founder of Digital Ventures at Shell, speaking to us. She started her career studying computer science and since then has studied innovation and entrepreneurship at Stanford after completing her MBA. She's a startup mentor and founder of angel-funded blockchain startup. And all of this is on top of her day job. She's worked her way up from operations to strategy to digital ventures, founding this side of the business and fueling innovation at Shell. She's an expert in startups, corporate innovation, mentorship, NED and board advisory. So you better keep listening to hear her story. So currently working in Shell, um, we've got a digital ventures group, I guess, within each business line. Um, some part of the... B2B logistics business, and we're trying to build a new business from scratch. So it's a startup within a corporate, so it's fully funded by Shell for now. And we, we're trying to build um, a platform that helps hauliers find truck drivers. It's, it's very sexy. Um, <laughs> um, so, so basically, it's Tinder meets LinkedIn for logistics. Uh, And the problem is that there's a massive shortage of truck drivers in the UK, but in Europe as well, and in in Asia as well, Um, multiple reasons. Folks don't want to come into the industry. It's a tough job. Um, There's not a lot of options around routes that they want to um, do and runs that they don't want to do. So it's it's really trying to match Roles that are available with skills and preferences, uh, and then and then grow from there. So there's a piece around um, vetting of uh, licenses, etc. So so we've just started. Uh, we just launched beta three weeks ago, um, and the idea is to grow this into a sustainable business line for the for the fleet business, basically. So we've got bits and bobs of different types of pilots as we call it. Um, so there's stuff around blockchain for mobility, there's stuff around freight brokerage, there's stuff around um there's an app that we just launched to help fleets manage their fuels. Um, uh, uh, there's another team looking at m- machine optimization. So there's pockets of innovation around Shell and, and we're doing the, the logistics bit. Um. I'm slither, um, doing slither of the logistics bit, basically.
1: Um, so from the beginning, after university, you went to study an MBA and went to grad school. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Like, What valuable things did you learn there and what, like, why did you decide to go and do that after university?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. So my background's IT, so I, I used to code many years ago uh, before Python. Um, and I realised that... I was really intrigued with how businesses were run. I thought, oh, it'd be really interesting to go learn about that. I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll go away for two years and come back fully equipped to, to run a business. And I realized, crap, I know fuck all about everything now. <laughs> the only thing I realized was that I knew nothing. But that helped me change careers a little bit uh, from a pure tech focused career into a more business focused career. So, uh, looking at strategy, uh, so then did. How would we transform this fuel card business, for instance, and, and bring it to the 21st century? Um, and then it converged again with digital and, and tech, I guess, so I did an MBA because I was really intrigued with that whole world. Um, I wanted a career change as well, um, and then realized actually my heart still beats for tech and, and came back.
1: <laughs> so then
0: you've been, you went into
1: shell and you you've been to, like. Gone into a number of roles and worked your way up or across or wherever in Shell. Um, can you tell us about a bit of your journey at Shell and some of the roles that you, you've done there?
0: Yeah, so Shell's got this scheme for early professionals. So, joined that straight out of university in the kind of graduate IT program, did a few roles. So, so you get exposure across. Um, so back in the day, it was um, a tech career was you do a business analyst role and then you run a few projects and then you, you run the IT departments. That's like 16 years ago. And then I moved around because I was really interested in, in business side. I so did um, operational turnaround. Um, so we had collapsed operations in one of our businesses and needed to turn that around. And then um, in different business lines, so it was the marine business, it was um, upstream. So really wanted to get a breath across different functions as well. Um, And then move to the retail fuels business to to do strategy for a few years. Um, And then what was really interesting for me was then being able to influence and shape how the business transforms itself and, and where we go in the next five to 10 years. So, so, so now we're on this journey um, of trying to reinvent ourselves in different ways. So that's, that's pretty interesting, because I always felt that, oh, how can you? I felt that being in a larger company offered a bigger platform for change, whereas as a tiny little startup uh, with, with no money and just an idea was a little bit harder. Yeah, well <laughs> Not impossible, but, but harder. And I think the two can coexist as well. Yeah.
1: Did you feel like the, the business and industry developed in the time that you were um, in Shell, and how did, that, how did that change, and how did it affect mm. um, what you were doing
0: there? I think corporates want to innovate. Um, I don't think we're there just yet. I think we're trying. It's because of entrenched culture and systems and processes. It's not from the lack of not wanting to, to do it, but startups are a lot more nimble so it was the three of us, you know, in an apartment on a wall, uh, everything we think about we could do right away, whereas in a larger company, you think about, right, if we launch this today, it's going to end up in the media tomorrow, and there's GDPR implications, and IRM like what well, the fuck is IRM, who gives a shit, but it's important. As a brand, but not necessarily yeah. as a startup. So I think corporates need to innovate if if not, they're gonna get left behind. And that's why we see companies like BCG, digital ventures, are trying to bridge that gap between corporates and startups. Um, so I see a convergence. Um, I don't think companies can build everything themselves. I don't think we should. Um, so there's there's this wave of corporates working a lot closer with startups in different shapes and forms, so from partnerships to pilots to an equity investment to co-creating some things. I think um, there's now a lot of incubators within corporates that attract and bring in founder-type personalities um, who would then bring in a team of developers, UX, um, CX, professionals, etc., to try and Build something with the backing of a, stu- of a of a corporate, and I see that gaining a little bit more traction.
1: Yeah, and um, so going on to digital ventures, why did you launch digital ventures, and um, what what does it aim to do?
0: Yeah, so I didn't launch the the full okay. line of business. So, so what what happened was, um, as a business, we had written the strategy to say, okay, we need to transform ourselves, and here are some interesting areas that we think we could offer some some value Um, and then we validated a few of these ideas and launched tiny little startups as a result of that and I'm leading one of it Um, uh, with the idea of then um, trying to see which one bites which one has value in what shape and form and what then do we bring forward so it's early days for us but we see some interesting opportunities I think.
1: Do you find that the business has, is different in different continents or regions? Um, and if it is, how, what, what differences have you found?
0: Yeah, um, so China, for instance. I think Asia is growing at the speed of light. It's leapfrogged a lot of technology, so I was completely blown away. In, in China, the, the, the folks on the streets, beggars, et cetera, wouldn't accept cash, so they'd say, here's here's a QR code, like, I accept Bitcoin, but not cash. So Africa, Asia, (laughs) I was like, what? Um, So if you lose your phone, you're completely screwed in Asia, in China, do not lose your phone. (laughs) Um, So in Africa, same thing happens, leapfrogged entire um, technology, I think it's now on mobile um, so I think there are lots of similarities, so, for instance, lots of VC funding going into logistics, mobility, healthcare, AI, all the buzzwords and it's interesting because um, in the space I'm in so logistics um, trucking, the problems are almost identical across at least at least top ten markets in in, in the world so you ask a holier, what's your biggest problem? Finding drivers. You ask a holier in, in Hong Kong, what's your biggest problem? Keeping drivers. You ask a holly in Poland, what's your biggest problem? Finding drivers, keeping drivers. So it's, in some ways, it's very similar, and in some ways, it's polar opposites. Um, so I think what that means for startups is that you can validate an idea in a market, um, but then look for use cases where you might be able to then scale it up in other, in other markets as well. And I think from a funding perspective, there are ways to find synergies. So for instance, 500 startups have offices in, in Asia, etc., that you can go to to get advice. Um, yeah, I think there's lots of similarities, but um, yeah, some differences as well, depending on um, verticals and industries as yeah. well. So healthcare, for instance, um, hugely, different. I think with Asia, you don't even have patient records in some countries, but then um, in Europe, for instance, it might already be automated. I think there's AI in healthcare with imaging already being being implemented. So it depends on the industry, I think.
1: Um, so you've probably worked with a number of developers, I'm, I'm guessing over your time, what do you think, of your, from your experience, makes um, a really um strong developer or technical person?
0: That's a great question. Um, I think it's hustle. So I don't think you necessarily need to be the best coder on the planet and always up to speed with the latest. I think it's being able to hustle and find an answer um, using whatever means possible. So um, network, Google. So I, one of the best developers I worked with doesn't have a degree, taught himself how to code, 10 years ago and it's amazing anything you at him he'd be able to crack it so what I learned from that was oh it's it's not the degree it's not MIT it's 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 none of that it's it's hustle really what were you what
1: were you working on with with him
0: um, what we're doing now actually
1: um so you were saying about your tech startup um could you go into a bit more detail about um like what it is and what like how it's evolving at the moment
0: yeah, so this was some time ago, um, in 2016. So I took a sabbatical. Um, so my partner passed away, a um, partner of 17 years passed away, and I thought, oh, I'll start an NGO um, in, in the field of heart failure because that's what he had. And I thought, oh, let's fund independent research and, and find a cure for heart failure because big pharma is shit, you know. Um, so I started that and realized, um, so I wanted to run the NGO with radical transparency, and I couldn't. I thought, this is really broken. Did a bit of digging and found that aid and philanthropy is, is broken. So the UN, for instance, um, out of every dollar, 25 cents goes to the end cost. So the, the rest is overhead, et cetera, et cetera. I thought, oh, it'd be amazing if we could have full traceability of that. And then a bit more digging and found, oh, there's this thing called blockchain and, and it might be an interesting use case. So did a little bit of pitching, got into a few accelerators, etc. We kicked it off. And it was way too early because we couldn't prove value, we couldn't prove returns. Um, so we, we ended with kind of a pilot with the UN um, because they're looking to kind of uh, ensure that folks who are supposed to get the money, get the money, and folks who shouldn't get the money, don't get the money, et cetera, and, and, and funding. Um, so yeah, so we, we piloted with them uh a few years ago and then um my boss rang me up and said do do you want to come back i thought okay like do you want to build a startup thought yeah and and my friends said you really need to get out of the country and um do something different as well so i thought yeah we'll, we'll do that and and i plus i needed the money um to be completely honest with you so social impact um enterprise three four five years ago vcs didn't think that it had much value um they're like this is a great idea but you know yeah we need 10x returns um but it's picking up now and there's lots of impact ventures which is amazing congrats (laughs) um yeah you mentioned blockchain just
1: then um could you i mean personally i don't know a lot about blockchain but if you could describe like what what it is and um how how do you use blockchain in your in your tech startup
0: i we we don't anymore but um so so blockchain allows complete traceability um it's an immutable record um so if i give you a pound so quid and everyone else is watching then you've got kind of 60 different records of the same Transaction, so that's kind of the idea behind it. Um, so, so it's it's there. Um, there's there's full traceability of each transaction and each record. Um, so, so it's not just between the two parties. Um, and it's it's called the distributed ledger. So it's it's on it's on the internet somewhere for everyone to see, basically. And and um, there's different use cases for that. So, for instance. Um, High-value luxury goods, so think watches, diamonds, etc. Um, to prevent counterfeit, um, you would have kind of the one record on the blockchain, and that would be tagged to kind of this is the real, this is the real thing, and um, anything else counterfeit wouldn't be on it. So there's there's growing number of use cases, but at the time was really, really hard to prove value because um, the base protocols were still in flux you know is it is it how um, so it was a function of the computer with the highest um, speed etc would get to it first, yeah. and then that's the guy who would have have the first record, but then the bigger the computer um, uh, the more chances it gets so again, is it really truly fair, yeah. probably not so you have Supercomputer super computer farms in China, kind of with lots of capacity and, and a lot of the control was was there. So it was, it was a bit controversial. But I think there's been quite a lot of development since then. I haven't really kept up with it. But I think the the whole blockchain space needs a little bit more maturing to to really work out. Okay, what protocols? What do what are the legal frameworks around this? So so therefore we see corporates and um regulators coming together for instance from consortium so there's the um logistics consortium there's the mobility consortium trying to work out right um let's use that protocol with that framework so it's still early days but i think there's been a lot of interest i think ibm etc
1: so you're you're not you're not using that at the moment no okay no
0: it's still on pilot, but it's, it's a slow <laughs> burn. I mean we haven't made money, we haven't you know uh, been able to return any um, upside to investors et cetera so so we didn't manage to do that
1: um so how have you managed running the startup so far? Have you reached any in particular hurdles in particular or like have you have you managed it so far?
0: So the corporate startup um, we had a little bit more traction than the social impact one um Uh, Yeah, so we launched three weeks ago and within days we had organic users didn't spend a single cent on um, AdWords or or SEA. We see word of mouth growth as well. Um, We're running kind of concierge MVP for, it's a multi-sided platform, so it's hauliers on one side and drivers on the other side. So for the supply side, we've got traction already and it's growing, trying to get to product market fit, not there yet. Um, but then, with Concierge MVP, we 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 use that with the holier side, so the paying customer, uh, and we've got interest already, and um, customers who want to even roll this out to to their whole network in in the UK. So, That's okay.
1: amazing. Yeah, um, have you got any tips on investment um, for, for a startup?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm curious. So, how how many of you guys are thinking of? Starting your own company, or already on the journey, and okay, how many are already on the journey? Okay, um, so for early stage, so pre-MVP, um, so it depends on where you are in life as well. So if you can, if you can afford to, I would recommend bootstrapping or getting an angel round or a grant um, would be best because. The earlier you raise with VCs, the more you give away. Um, So that's one thing to keep in mind. And because you guys can code, it's brilliant. You can iterate on your product on your own. um, So you don't necessarily need a tech co-founder. You are the CTO. Um, So my advice would be sign up for Startup School, uh, Y Combinator Startup School, or go through the lectures, those are immensely useful. I listen to them every day, literally every day, because it reinforces um, the learnings. And every word from that is just pearls of wisdom. Um, So advice funding, I think as far as you can, create your MVP on your own, validate the idea, launch as quickly as you possibly can. It will not be perfect don't add the other feature that you were thinking you need to add before you launch. A landing page is good enough. Um, a white landing page is fine as well. Um, because, at least what we learned, is 90% of the time you get it wrong. Uh, because what users say they do can be quite different from what they actually do. So they might, in interviews, in research, etc., say, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll I'll do this and I'll uh, use it this way, et cetera. But when they actually put it in front of them, I'm like, hang on, (laughs) that's not what you said. So the earlier you launch, um, the less risky it gets and you start to learn faster. Your speed of learning is just monumental. So we did, as you can imagine, corporate, right? Lots of research, qualitative, quantitative surveys, we went to truck stops. We shadowed them. But the most learning we got was in the last 20 days of launch when they actually use it and we actually speak to folks who are interested. Um, so I can't harp on that enough. Please, please launch now. It, it's OK. It's OK. If you're not embarrassed by your first version, it means you've launched too late. Um, and that's really true. So It doesn't have to be polished. So which brings to the next point. Um, once you get users, the conversation with VCs get easier um, because results speak for itself. It's a different conversation with an idea versus real traction. Um, And there's been a shift in the funding world. Previously, you could raise on valuation, but then now it's really about revenue and real traction. So not vanity metrics, but active users, churn, mrr etc so the closer you get to that the better for you because you can raise a higher amount and you give away less of your company as well yeah that would be my advice um grant angel accelerator for pre-mvp try and get to as close to product market fit as you can before raising your first round
1: um so how do you mentor startups are you industry specific or are there blanket rules that kind of Apply to to
0: everything. No, I mean happy to help anyone who needs support because I think there's bits around. So it really depends on what folks find useful and what people need. So there's startups who so we have a group of founders. Um, and oh, please don't underestimate the the power of having a support network because the emotional impact that it takes on founders is is real, so please don't underestimate that. So um, build a support network um, of other founders, but also folks who've been there, but also VCs, good VCs, are investors who see and believe in you, Um, bad VCs, be folks who kind of poke holes in it quite a bit, so look for a good fit as well. So, um, mentorship, I think it's about chemistry, it's about what you need, and I, I think um, so for instance, if I want to learn about growth, um, I approach anyone who would speak to me about growth, uh, LinkedIn, wide array, so series A, growth folks, to seed growth folks, to um, folks who have written about growth, bloggers, et etc. I think there's wisdom in um, there's wisdom everywhere, yeah. really, so. Don't limit yourself um, from as large a network as you possibly can. Um, So, no, no rules. Yeah, in any shape or form. I remember just calling up um, a founder who had a few more years of experience just to pick up the phone and say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I just shit. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, we don't have a clue. Nobody wants it. We're building something nobody wants. Uh, um, But then sometimes you just need someone to say, do you know what, keep going or have you considered pivoting so so that um objective voice of reason helps as well
1: um how can you validate an idea for an mvp
0: yeah it's a great question there's a few ways i think firstly it's constant validation of the idea so you need to ask yourself that every day um, there's methodologies. so um, startup school um, there's lots of lectures around how to evaluate an idea. There's a two part lecture. Um, Kevin talks about what VCs look for, what YC looks for, how they approach evaluating an idea. Um, so, what we did within this startup was speak to a lot of users, lots and lots and lots and lots of users. Speak to users every day. You should be speaking to users every day. Um, ask open ended questions to really understand dig deep into why they might be having the problem. Sometimes they don't realise they're having the problem, and sometimes they think the problem they think they're having is not the problem they're actually having. So really try and uncover and unpack that as much much as you can with as diverse uh, user base as you possibly can. Um, If it's B2C there are tools for that, so you can send out kind of A-B tests, optimizely etc. If it's B2B trickier, because there's different um, kind of folks in, in, in different personas in Within the company, so who's your persona? Is it the buyer? Um, is it HR? Is it the procurement guy? Is it um, who makes the buying decision? Who's the influencer? So B two B is a bit trickier, but there are ways around it. So LinkedIn, etc. So how do you validate the idea? Speak to lots of users. Um, always put out. So run experiments, so come up with hypothesis um, of what you're trying to prove or disprove and work out the handrails around them. So for instance, okay, we, assumption is that uh, truck drivers around London don't have a problem. Um, craft an experiment, how would you go about validating that? Uh, so, ideate a little bit how you would do that, or we could we could head up to a truck stop, go speak to drivers, we could scrape job boards and look who's hiring. We could scrape c v libraries and and look at who's posted and do a little bit of analytics and matching. Um, look at adjacent um verticals as well for inspiration. so our adjacent vertical would be recruitment tech. so what's going on in in recruitment tech or uh, for instance. Uh, what's going on in healthcare tech. So you need to look for what's your closest adjacent vertical. So if you're doing travel, for instance, what's happening in the travel landscape, what's happening in maybe... um, So so look for inspiration in other verticals um, and launch. Launch and keep launching and keep launching. So a launch isn't something that you work up to and then and then you put it out there and, and, and you forget about it. You're constantly tweaking, constantly iterate. Oh, what happens if I change the copy here? Um, a, B test it. So I think it's all of the above. Um, so you're constantly iterating until you get to product market fit. And product market fit is when there's a bigger pull than there is a push. So for instance, again, Startup School has amazing resources. Um, one of the ideas was if you pull the plug on this thing who's going to be really upset that they don't have the thing anymore um, if you want metric base, it's 5% growth week on week uh, sustained growth week on week organic growth ideally so if you lower your ads etc do you still get the same hit rates in the early days I thought oh I need to be a bit more macho I thought wait that's Not really me, so that's not really working out because it was not authentic. Um, I think it's age as well. So as you get older, you give a shit less, really, you know, and that helps. So advice to my younger self would be: it's alright. I mean, you don't have to please everyone. Um, You don't have to make everyone happy. Um, Be yourself. Um, Embrace that because diversity of thought is what's going to make magic happen if it's a room full of females even we're gonna be we have we have bias sometimes some days I feel it's changed some days I feel it hasn't Um, it also depends on personalities in the room but having said that it largely comes from from within so if I'm alright with it if I'm alright with having a heated argument and and it's okay it's not about who's right etc egos in the room um, some days I'm fine, some days I'm not, to be honest. And, and I think, on some days I think we've made a lot of progress and on some days I think we're still stuck in the 70s. No, I think there is hope because um, we were looking at our team today, so it's, it's led by a woman, one of our best developers. Um, is this is a young graduate. Our scrum master is a woman. So actually all the anchor points in the team a woman. So, I think there is hope. Um, I think it's largely us as well. We underestimate that. So, I, I would sum it up to just be you, be alright with that in 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 all its glorious technicolor, and then the rest will fall in place. That's what I've learned. When I was hung up about or second guessing everything, it just didn't didn't work out. But now that I'm bit more chilled out, like, Do you know what, it's all right. It's all right if I piss this person off. It's all right if everyone's not happy. Um, then I think people find their little spaces as well, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, so studied computer science, and then I, I moved careers into business side, and then I came back. So I think if you want a product career, I think it's useful to have that tech background, because it just makes it a little bit easier and more impactful when you're designing products to really understand how the thing is done. Um, I think it's great to have breadth. So I see an evolution of needing T-shaped um, skill set. So depth in one field, be it UX, UI, dev, um, et cetera. But also that breadth. Um, and that could be dev plus UX or UI plus product management, et cetera. So so if you're asking what helped me the most, I think that duality of tech and the business side helped. But is it necessary? I don't think so. I think there's multiple paths. There are founders who left school, who didn't finish school, who didn't bother getting a degree. There are millionaires who you know, has 16 degrees or no degree. So I think there's multiple routes, and it's really about what works for you. So I've made a lot of mistakes with recruitment. I think it's the most important bit. Um, I hire for, um, I know this is going to sound really cheesy, but shared values and and attitude, because you can learn anything. We can learn anything given time and and resources. So I hire for attitude, hunger, shared passion for the thing, because that's going to keep you going. So I was looking at rocket internet it was at the time for me like, wow that's utopia and in their job descriptions like you've been an investment banker or management consultant you've got an ivy league mba etc i think the reason why they do that is as a proxy because they don't have anything else to go by as, as a founder first time founder what else do you have as a proxy for achievement but having said that um it's hard i think there will be companies who value that and i think There will be folks who don't. Thanks for listening to Lawagon Live. Tune in next week for another episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe by hitting the subscribe button.